0: Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. Stick around until the end of this podcast for a preview of a recent episode exploring the history of investors holding businesses accountable and the dawn of the ESG, or Environmental Social Governance, movement. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: How would you define what a meme is?
2: Ooh, man. Hey, okay, that's a big question. A meme, I know when I became a meme, which is like a weird sentence to say, but uh, when that happened to me in 2012, memes were very much like a photo with text on the top, text on the bottom. Every meme looked like that. Every meme, like, had a name.
3: A few months ago, as we were learning everything we could about memes— Ben and I sat down with Lena, who has a particular take on them.
1: A take without a doubt shaped by her unique experience as the accidental star at the center of a beloved, if unsettling, meme.
2: Well, my name is Lena Morris. Um, I am better known as the overly attached girlfriend, which uh, is a meme on the internet. I did YouTube full time for like seven to eight years. And now I'm just hanging out in Arizona with my dogs, you know, quarantining still. And that's, that's my life.
1: I'm Ben Brock Johnson.
3: I'm anne Sievertson. And today we're bringing you another bonus Endless Thread meme series episode. A conversation with the person behind one of the most famous memes, Overly Attached Girlfriend.
1: Which, if you haven't seen or can't remember, is a classic It's a image macro with impact font, that style of meme, and the images of Lena posing as well an overly attached girlfriend.
3: So picture a wide-eyed woman in her early 20s, an odd forced smile, head cocked to the side as if she's kind of interrogating you.
1: Or like maybe you're a pet and she's about to like hug you to death.
3: Or <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and it's always paired with these captions like, just because you broke up with me doesn't mean I broke up with you.
3: And did you get my messages about my other messages?
1: It took you 10 minutes to get home. Google says it takes eight minutes. Who is she?
3: And as with many meme stars we've spoken to for this season, Lena's relationship with fame, it was far from rosy, even if its origin was pretty innocent
1: innocent only if you think stuff that involves the beeb is innocent
3: this all starts with a Justin Bieber contest of some sort right <laughs> when did you find out about that contest and
1: are you a believer too or were you
2: i liked him i think it was also a little bit i thought it was funny to be a Justin Bieber fan at 20 years old. And, you know, like I dressed up as him for Halloween and I kind of <laughs> just thought it was funny. You were believer agnostic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So the contest, I, it was early June and I remember just like waking up and getting on my phone and I say I wasn't a fan, and I'm going to tell you that, like, the first thing I did was look up Justin Bieber News. Um, (laughs) But, like, Uh I wasn't a fan. I (laughs) saw that he was having this contest to promote his new fragrance, which was called Girlfriend. And he had just released a song called Boyfriend.
3: If I was your boyfriend, never let you go.
2: And he basically asked fans to make a parody song from the girlfriend's perspective. And I started writing these lyrics, like, from the perspective of a clingy girlfriend. And I got off work one day and the contest was, like, almost over. So I, like ran to my room and put on a random t-shirt that I found on the floor, which, you know, if I knew how many people were going to watch it, maybe I would have done something different. (laughs) Um, You log onto your YouTube, like from this website and it uploads your video and it titles it JB Fan Video all on its own. I shared the video on my Facebook just so my friends and family could see it because I thought it was kind of funny. And, um, you know, I thought that was kind of that. And then That same night, it started getting a lot more attention than, like, just my friends and family. And the next day, it was a meme. The video
3: begins with Lena sitting still in a kind of cheap t-shirt, chestnut brown hair, facing the camera. And she holds that awkward, wide-eyed look we described, with blue eyes that seem to just swallow you up. Then...
2: If I was your girlfriend, I'd drive you up the wall. Question here with, yeah, I'd always call and call. I wouldn't call it jealousy, just looking out for you. Reading all your texts, watching everything you do, nag. nag.
1: If the lyrics aren't nag. already creepy enough, she leans me. in, letting the song unfold into a full blown ode to, about, uh, to the Beebs, styled after I Kathy Bates in Misery.
2: To. If I was your girlfriend, I'd never let you leave without a small recording device taped under your sleeve. This was
3: supposed to be a silly video she shared with friends. But to enter the contest, she was required to upload the video to YouTube for everyone to see. And they did. The video started taking off.
1: First 52 comments, a few hundred
3: views. Then something like a million views a day in 2012.
2: I remember calling my dad and being like, do you know what a viral video is? <laughs> like, I think, there's, I think I did that.
1: Someone took a screenshot of Lena's intense, overly attached look, and coupled with a few creepy captions, the
3: overly attached girlfriend meme was born. Lena had already taken a semester off from school, unsure about what she really wanted to do with her life. And she knew she liked to entertain, so she ran with it and decided to make another parody. Uh,
2: The song Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen was really popular at the time. Never heard of Mm it. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Hey, I just saw you, with that lady, paid for her dinner, that's kind of shady. I decided that I would make another parody and and do it to that song, and I did. And that video blew up, and my videos were like number one and number two on YouTube at the time. And then I knew I wanted to see where it could go, that's why I made another video. But when I made the other video, that's when I knew like, okay, I... I want to see how, how far I can go with this.
3: Lena was all in. For a 20-something living in Texas, still trying to figure out life, the idea of turning her 15 minutes of fame into something more was kind of exciting. Her dream of being an entertainer was no longer just a dream.
1: Her family hired an entertainment lawyer. Lena signed with Big Frame, a management company in Los Angeles that specializes in representing YouTube stars. And then she got to work, making weekly videos, taking offers from big brands, doing the work that celebrities do.
2: My two favorite things that came out of it, I can tell you were, number one, I was on Jimmy Fallon when he was doing Late Night, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Okay, um, cool. It was a real quick sketch. I didn't have a single line. I literally came out and made the face and then went away. Don't you see the similarities and why you guys would
1: get along? Look at those, look
2: at her eyes. <laughs> And then the other thing, which I feel like these two are just tied for the best, was that I got a Kia Soul, which I was obsessed with Kia Souls, (laughs) which everyone makes fun of me for. Kia Soul. I need a Kia.
3: But the good vibes wouldn't last. What went wrong? In a minute.
2: My current car's not great. There's nowhere to put my cup. When I play my music, my speakers don't light up. There's nowhere in my car to plug my iPod in. Local radio stations are my only friend. I need a Kia. Kia Soul. Uh, uh, I need a Kia.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. A recent episode explores the long tradition of investors influencing companies to do better.
4: If you even go back to the 1600s, the Dutch East Indies companies, you'd have ships that would disappear for three, four or five years at a time. And there were mechanisms that were needed because investors would put money into these operations.
0: Stick around until the end of this podcast for a preview of the episode.
2: Families have a lot going on.
1: In the years after Lena Morris became the overly attached girlfriend, she built a pretty successful YouTube following, often playing that character, the clingy, creepy, cringy, can't-let-you-go girl. But it wasn't easy.
3: When did things start to take a turn and things started to feel like, maybe this isn't going the way that I
2: thought it would, or maybe this isn't what I want to do? Pretty quickly, it was, a. Uh a very lonely job you know I lived in Texas and I had no one around me that was doing the same thing I was doing it's a job I did from home every day um so it wasn't around people as much as before I wasn't in school anymore it was just kind of like me at home all day um which I think maybe people can kind of like relate to now I think a lot of people think you know that's like the dream and it's really fun um but sometimes it's like i need I needed some structure that I didn't have, and it really it messed with me mentally. I think also one thing that was really hard was just sort of the expectation of like wh- like what are you gonna do now? are you gonna act? are you gonna do stand up are you gonna write are you gonna go back to school like and I didn't know the answer to any of these questions that I felt like I was being asked all the time um Yeah, I don't know that there was, like, a specific point or period I can say, like, this moment, this video, this time is what triggered everything to kind of, like, not be so fun anymore. It was just sort of slowly over time. With all these questions swirling around in her head, Lena was
3: also dealing with what many young women deal with online.
2: Creepy guys on the internet, real, like, sexual, disgusting, like, I don't know. I still get them. Um... Like, it might be kind of sad, but it's something I came became, like, very used to very quickly, unfortunately.
1: It was all becoming a little too much.
2: Even when it was at its peak and, like, I was doing my best, I felt almost like I was, like, tricking everyone somehow. Like, I was like, why are a million people subscribed to me? Like, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> like, uh... I don't know, a lot of like real negative thoughts, self-deprecating thoughts. And um, in, in 2017, I sort of took a step back and wanted to take a break that turned into like a really long time. And then around that time, 2018, beginning of 2018, I started going to therapy and really diving into like, do I even want to do this? Like when I do make content, I'm not real happy with it. So I'm sure people watching aren't loving it. It's not benefiting them. Uh, It's not paying the bills. It's not making me happy. Like, what's my motive here now?
3: Her motivation and self-esteem had taken a hit, and she didn't know how to dig herself out of this hole. She says after she started seeing a therapist, she learned that she was dealing with depression and anxiety. As she was posting those public funny videos, she also kept a video diary of her private life. Like in 2018, when she wrestled with the idea of taking medication.
2: I think having to like face that I am not okay on my own is hard. It makes me feel weak for some reason. It makes me feel I don't know. Like I'm just not okay. I think I'm. Like, Lana
1: would spend to, like, all week trying to come up with an idea for her YouTube channel. Then her deadline would come around, and with nothing written, she'd wing it, more or less. She was tired of it.
2: And then my therapist challenged me to make a video saying goodbye, not necessarily for anyone to see. Just, like, see how it feels, sit down, talk, say goodbye, say whatever you feel you would want to say, and see how that feels, see if it feels right. And I did that, and that's the video I actually ended up posting.
3: In her goodbye video... Lena opened up about her
2: struggles with mental health. It was freeing, in a way. As much as I don't want to admit it, I know that this part of my life is done, and it's time to say goodbye. And um, how's it feel to be broken up with by the overly attached girlfriend?
1: <laughs> but she wasn't really the overly attached girlfriend anymore. She told us when she sees that meme online now, she doesn't see herself. And that's a good thing.
2: The best stuff, the stuff I'm still getting, which is really great, is like DMs and stuff on Instagram, comments on YouTube, and people just saying, like, I watched your video, and because of that, like, I went and filled this prescription that I've been putting off, or I made made an appointment with a therapist, or, you know, you gave me hope because I'm in this really bad spot. You gave me hope that it could get better. Stuff like that, which is like more than I could have ever hoped for. It just sort of makes me feel like the entire seven or eight years whatever that was like was worth it to just kind of end in that way and help even one person.
3: Do you look back on this with no regrets or do you feel like,
2: I don't know. Do you have the, what if conversation with yourself? (laughs) Um, I do think like my answer to that on a very surface level is just like, I have no regrets. It ended up exactly how it should have, you know? Um, But there are definitely things I look back on and think if I wasn't like overthinking every little thing or stressed about every little decision, there are, you know, opportunities and trips and stuff that I turned down because um, I was really struggling mentally or I just was very overwhelmed by every little thing. But at the same time, I just think, man, I was like in my early 20s. I wasn't doing anything else. Like I just I wish I had sort of jumped on and ridden the wave a bit more and, like, just had, a, had more fun with it, I guess.
1: There's one more thing we wanted to share from our conversation with Lena, something that came up unexpectedly after about two hours of talking. The overly attached girlfriend, one of the biggest memes to come out of 2012. She has a boyfriend.
3: In fact, she's had this boyfriend for nine years.
2: Yeah, we, um, we started dating six months before I made that video, the first video. So wow. it was a lot, I think for both of us, we were both just kind of trying to figure it all out together. A lot of people ask me, one of the most like common questions I get is, how has dating been as the overly attached girlfriend, you know, (laughs) and I think I'm so lucky that I haven't had to, I don't have an answer to that question because (laughs) I can't even imagine trying to like date and then know that I'm one Google search away from scaring off anyone. So
3: (laughs) you're the uh, right amount of attached (laughs) to each other (laughs) Yeah, through it all. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Lena, thank you
3: so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Lena.
2: Oh well thank you. I, I had a really great time and I appreciate uh, the good conversation. So thank you guys. <laughs>
3: bonus episode of Endless Thread was produced by Dean Russell and Frank Hernandez
1: and we are a production of WBUR Boston's NPR station I'm Ben Brock Johnson
3: I'm Amory marie Sievertson and we'll be back in your feed on Friday with the next full episode in our meme series farewell good morrow
0: Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. Listen on for a preview of one of the episodes.
4: ESG, or environmental social governance, challenges businesses to think beyond the immediate bottom line. But before ESG, the balanced scorecard did something similar. Questrom's Eddie Riedel explains. The big thing that was groundbreaking about the balanced scorecard is really this idea to move beyond thinking about financial statements, which everybody thought about since the 1920s, right? That was kind of the gold standard for how to evaluate a company and its performance. And the Balanced Scorecard's big insight, I think, was to get companies internally to think about, well, what if you don't just focus on financial measures? There are other things that are gonna affect your performance, and maybe they won't affect them today, but they're gonna affect them in the short-term, mid-term, long-term. Building in those other criteria, those other dimensions, and explicitly linking that to your strategy, to how your company's gonna operate, what kind of big decisions it's gonna make, that's really what the big insight of the balanced scorecard was meant to do. And at the time, uh, right now, it doesn't seem particularly revolutionary. It seems kind of obvious. We've been stuck in the ESG movement for a while and thinking about linking these things to corporate strategy seems pretty obvious. At the time, it was a pretty big, whoa, kind of moment.
0: Find the full episode by searching for Is Business Broken wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about the Mayrotra Institute for Business, Markets, and Society at ibms.bu.edu.